theory about B&M and why B&M needed to be paid. Right. So what, do you want, you want that to add into the minutes? Yes, please. Okay. Because, because nobody knew who B&M were. And we right. need to be clear on, on um, when transactions have taken place that uh, we know who they are. Item 113. Right. Uh, she minutes something uh, to do with the memorial, but it wasn't just the memorial area. It included the car park as well. And the reference is just made to a resident. Um, so the inference is that it's only one set of residents. It hasn't. It was a number of residents. So I wanted the plural for that. Yeah. Are you okay with that, Joe? You've got that note. And I recommended to all rec re residents to dial 101. And one resident has also used 999 when a fire occurred in the car park. Right. Can I, can I just say that the bringing it back, the minutes are to be approved by the councillors who were present at that meeting and made those decisions. Um, I'm unsure at this point. Exactly. Well, I was, I was present. Need to be made to the minutes, although councillors can attend those meetings, only councillors who are members of the, the meeting can approve those minutes. Uh, I, can I just put this on one side, Judith, as chair? Yeah. I'm unsure. It's, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm a bit disappointed because I sent these to the clerk on the 2nd of July and she said that they would, I was to bring them up again. Right. Okay. Well, the minutes of the meeting are primarily to record the decisions that we took. Um, it's not often that we put a lot of detail in the minutes, so I'm not sure that they're, they're relevant. Joe's aware of your comments. But um, the, dev the devil's in the detail, Judith. Yes, but we don't include much detail in minutes. It's, it's really just a record of the decisions. Um, yeah, but, but can I just say there was, in item 106, you say the new SID was provided by FTC. I think the word should be funded, not, there's a slight difference. Well, no, because I think Joe ordered it. We ordered it and paid for it. So we provided it. And it, effectively, it's still our property. It's on our um, asset register. So, uh, well, but, well, let's put fun, provided and funded by. Well, we're, we're splitting hairs now. Does well, anyone? No, I, th I, I think can, the I, can I please, can I please, because I'm trying to minute this, look at this, do it on the screen, talk to you all. Are the minutes approved? Can I, I propose? We approve them. Yeah, we approve. Uh, you've got Phil and Mally's proposer and seconder. All those who were at the meeting that are in favour of adopting them as a true record. Thank you. Okay, anybody against? Okay, so they're, they're approved. I, I, I do take on board your concerns, Caroline, but we don't normally record that level of detail in minutes. Well, um, if, if the, 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 that's what's been said, Judith. And what I'm trying to do is make, make sure that it's factually correct so when the, the yeah. residents read it, they understand what the implications are. 
it, it's unfortunate that we didn't have uh, a recording of that meeting because all of the that's where people get the detail of discussion from the recordings. But it's just unfortunate that it didn't happen this time. Okay. I just like I, I, I'm a scientist. I like accuracy. So you know when when things are done, I think like them done properly. Okay, agenda uh, item one, two, four, schedule of meetings. Now we would normally agree our schedule of meetings at the beginning of the the council year. Um, we weren't able to do that, so um, I asked Joe, would you put a schedule together of our regular meetings on, on the days that they um, we would normally hold them? And Joe sent us that schedule. Is yeah. everybody happy with it? Yeah, fine by me. Okay, do you need no a on that, Joe, or are you just happy that we accept it? Yes, absolutely. Happy with that. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Right, moving on to the finance report. Um, you've got your finance pack. Yep. Everybody happy with it? Any queries on it? Well, no, because we've gone through most of this yeah. as in, on a month-by-month -month basis. Okay. So I'm happy to approve it up for you, yeah, whatever. So, so propose yeah. and seconder. I'll propose. Donna second. And all those in favour of accepting the finance package? Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we're moving now on to one, two, six. Staff appraisals. Joe, you wanted to speak on this? Yes, I just wanted to say that um, in the town clerk's contract, it says that uh, one increment is due from the anniversary of employment. So that would have been from the 1st of April 2020, from my employment from the 1st of April 2019. Um, so I just want to note that um, that will be applied retrospectively from April. Um, I just want to make a note that uh, my town council park appraisal hasn't been carried out due to COVID. It should have been carried out in April and obviously hasn't. And Judith has that in hand. And also to note that uh, the other staff that I'm actually responsible for, uh, admin officer and two reception staff, um, I have booked into their diaries for appraisals. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. In relation to the staff appraisal, um, I'd like to be involved in the town clerk's appraisal, please. Uh, we've already put the arrangements in place, Andrew. Helen and I are doing it. Um, and why wasn't I circulated with that information? Well, it's not something that we normally do. I mean, Joe's giving you an update now. Um, Judith, so I'm not being funny. I don't think that's good enough. It should have been discussed here and we should have agreed collectively oh, as a committee. I would like to be involved. We don't discuss staffing matters at committee meetings or full council meetings. Donna? This isn't a staffing matter. This is a matter of carrying out an appraisal. Um, all, all staffing issues were, were run under the subcommittee and that was part of the, the appraisal was part of that. And I was part of that arrangement in November. Yes, but we haven't got a staffing subcommittee at the moment. We're going to come on to that. Um, the, the appraisal has not been arranged yet. Um, Helen has agreed to do it with me. We haven't fixed the date yet. 
perhaps we can come back to that at the end of the meeting. Gina, if this isn't good enough, I'd like to vote on this now as to whether we accept those arrangements, because I don't accept them. Well, the, the, we have matters to discuss on the standing orders and their, um, where they, they clash with the staff handbook. So until we, we look at those and make a decision on those, then I think uh, we, I say we'll come back to this at the end of the meeting. Judith, this isn't good. This isn't good enough, Judith. Um, it's through through your you you have tried to uh, tell us what's going to happen when this is a decision that lies in the purview of this particular committee. I don't agree with what you've done. Uh, am I okay to speak now? Yeah. Okay. In my view, I don't see any harm at all in um, Councillor Dawson being involved in this appraisal situation. I don't understand why it would be a restriction on having an... Uh, I don't see a disadvantage. It would be very, very unusual to have three councillors at a staff appraisal. Uh, previously, we've had three councillors at a staff appraisal. Not, not in my time then, over the last five years. No, Donna. mine. Donna? Well, I can assure you it's happened. I'm, I'm happy for it to be discussed at the end, later on, on the agenda. I mean, it's not like we're dismissing it, we're just discussing it later on in the agenda. Okay. Sorry, Caroline, did you want to speak? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that there should be three people present. When no. I've done appraisals previously, that, that's what we've done. Donna? It's an appraisal, not an interview. My yeah. appraisals in work are one-to-one. -one. Yeah. It's, it's, a bit heavy, it's a bit heavy-handed. Yeah, I agree. I'm satisfied that... Helen well, all right. I, th I think then it should go out to, um, but you, you should decide, you should give everybody the opportunity to attend. No. Why? Personal, oh, view, no. personal appraisals are no one-to-one. -one. This is a staffing matter. We shouldn't be discussing individual members of staff at this committee meeting. We're not. We're discussing how to conduct an appraisal. We're not discussing individual members of staff. We're discussing how this council is represented. We only have one member of staff that have to be appraised by a councillor or councillors. The other staff are appraised by the town clerk. Um, so please, can we go through the agenda and come back to this later in the meeting? I'm not saying we're not going to discuss it. I'm saying let us get through the agenda and come back to it. Okay, and then if, if Joe wants to leave the meeting, she can do. We can, uh, if we want to, we can move it to part B. But we have to be very, very careful as this meeting is being recorded that we do not talk about members of staff because that is contrary to our standing orders and code of conduct. Can I just inter interject here and ask under what agenda item you'd like to defer this? Um, if we could do it under the chair's report, if you like, at the end. Okay. Thank you. 
Right, so deferred. Um, moving on then to 157 standing orders. To receive a report from the clerk with respect to paragraph 9. Standing orders. Um, there's a discrepancy between paragraph B and 9B and 9D. Thank you, Judith. Yes, um, yeah, there is a discrepancy here in the number of days, and they also they both need to be um, at least five clear days of the meeting because one contradicts another. Yeah, I've had a look at this, Joe. Looked at a few other councils to see what they do, and the norm seems to be it's um, seven and five, seven for nine B, seven days, and five days for nine D. That's allowing you a couple of days between receiving the proposal and changing the wording of it, if, if necessary. Does anybody have a, anything to add to that? You happy with that, those days, Joe? Yes, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, so do you want a, a vote on that? Yes, please. Proposer and seconder. Well, I'll propose. Oh, right. It would have been helpful had the uh, paragraphs been circulated to us. Um, I thought you had sent something out, Joe, hadn't you? I just referred to standing orders. I'm sorry, I should be specific and um, shown you where the standing orders were on the website. I apologise. I will send out that link. I'm happy to read the two out, two paragraphs out for you if you want that. Yes, please do. Nine B. No motion may be moved at a meeting unless it is on the agenda and the mover has given written notice of its wording to the proper officer at least three clear days before the meeting. Clear days do not include the day of the notice or the day of the meeting. Well, that's clearly not helpful because Joe's got to have the agenda out by that day. So it's changing the three clear days to seven clear days. I don't agree. Uh, and, and also, of course, what you have to bear in mind is so much of what happens, happens on the night. And in terms of actual motions that are put forward, we get them on the evening. Um, so anything that slows the process down and makes us have to hold more meetings, I oppose. Can, can I read the other paragraph out? This is where the conflict is. It says, uh, this is paragraph 9D. If the proper officer considers the wording of a motion received in accordance with 9b above is not clear. It means the motion shall be rejected until the mover of the motion resubmits it in writing to the proper officer so that it can be understood at least five clear days before the meeting. That's where the discrepancy is. Um, you, you can't have longer to change it than you have to actually receive the motion. It's a, it needs to allow the clerk two days to clarify the wording of a motion. So 9B has got to be before D. Can I just say that these minutes go out to the public um, 10 days before the meeting. And if we're going to change them at the last moment, it's confusing for, for the public and it's confusing for us as councillors. Once an agenda is set, it should be set and, and, and changed only within the timelines, and I think you'll find that that is what Seawak uh, um, and Chalk recommend. We can't just change it. 
it would have been helpful to have a written report traversing this issue. Well, my, my proposal would be to help the town clerk at the moment to get rid of this anomaly, that we agree the changes seven and well, just to be change it to seven days. Um, and if that is not satisfactory, once you've all had time to consider it, we can look at it again because you'll have to we'll have to um, accept the the minutes of this meeting at the next council meeting. So that will be your opportunity to. Uh, have another go at it. I, I think it's actually far, far simpler to refer this to full council and have it dealt with there with the report that explains exactly what's intended. Well, that, that's what will happen if we if we agree the changes here provisionally. That no. our, our minutes no. then go to full council. It's it, what it we know will happen. Well, Look, when, let's get it right. Let's actually take the time and get a proper job done rather than approving something oh, without proper consideration. We've got a proposal and we've got a seconder. Can we take a vote on it, please? Yes. Those in favour? Five. Are those against? Can I, can I just ask members of this committee to give me their vote again? Can you tell me what your vote is? That we, we change it to change 9B to seven days. Phil, yes. Those of us were voting. Yeah. Ryan, were you voting? Yeah, so that's five for it. And uh, against, that's Andrew, Caroline. Um, Bill, are you abstaining? Oh, against. No, I'm, I'm abstaining. Voting against. Okay. okay. And th those of you that aren't happy with it, you can you can uh, say that at the next full council meeting when we get to approving the uh, the minutes of this committee or approving the decisions made by this committee. Okay. So where are we next? The, the other item that we have got to look at on standing orders, um, we, we could perhaps deal with it all at the end because we've got this discrepancy between the staff handbook and the standing orders on how we deal with disciplinary matters and the staffing committee. So you okay, okay, Joe? If we look at both of those because we we need, we need to sort them both out. Um, I'm sorry, Judith. Just. Uh... Backtrack me, which are you moving to another agenda item? Where, where are we? Well, we're still on standing orders. Um, no, we actually we can cover it under 134, can't we? FTC procedures. Okay. Okay, so moving on then to 128 burial ground update. Yes, I have an update on this. Okay, the main section, which is where we've got the new burials going in at the top end of the uh, burial ground, has been signed over to the Town Council and is now on our insurance schedule. The grass on either side, which uh, makes an arc round the new path, um, 
is being looked after, it's being weeded, and it has gone on to a regular maintenance schedule, which is by AJK who installed it rather than our contractors. Um, there's been a withhold on the amount of money that we're paying for them because we've got a defect period which doesn't expire until February 2021, so the retention on that. So effectively, there's a thousand pound outstanding for certain seeding, which we don't think is going to be required, but it comes within that retention scheme, and a further £1,220. So in the worst case scenario, should this additional turfing be required, we're looking at a final sum of £50,802. Um, the tendered sum was £55,951, so as though we're going to come in under that. That's my report. Okay. Well, we're going to cemetery. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Molly and I had a little trip out to the cemetery the other day and had a little drive around it, and we thought it was looking pretty good. And we noticed that we've got uh, a few of the, the new plots already been used. Chair, yeah. Uh, can I just thank Joe? Um, today we had uh, a bit of a problem, and uh, luckily enough, Joe went up there and handled the situation very quickly. So thanks for that, Joe. Okay. Anybody else got anything they want to raise on the uh, cemetery? No. So looking good. Yeah. Um, one two nine. Then the war memorial, please, Joe. Okay, right, yes. Again, good news to report here on the War Memorial. I've got a certificate of practical completion for the War Memorial. Um, this triggers um, a penultimate valuation, if you like, from uh, the surveyors, which accounts to 97.5% of the agreed final contract amount. The balance of 2.5 is going to be retained for a 12-month period, upon completion where the architects involved will revisit the works, re-inspect the memorial and look at any possible defects which are obliged to be rectified under the contract. Um, in the meantime, I'm advised to uh, keep a check on the memorial, have a look, see if there is uh, anything that the town council or regular attendees, residents might look at up there and then if there is anything then I've got a direct line to the architects and the construction engineer who will immediately attend site and rectify any issues which might be there but it's not expected that there will be any of them. Yeah that's brilliant thanks Joe. Do we know um, whether the, the nurse and the soldier are still intact? Any, have you been up there recently, Caroline? No, I haven't. Okay, well, so no, nothing's been reported anywhere. I've not seen anything, so. No. Okay. I, I was up there last week. Both have got dents in them, as well as bending. Yeah, okay. Oh, the nurse has got problems with her now, has you saying, Andrew? It looks like they've been kicked. There are dents at low level. 
and, and you can see that the Tommy's been uh, being bent or what have you. So well, yeah, no, we know about the Tommy. Happy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go and have a look. Okay, thank you. Uh, moving on then, path to the war memorial. We need to um, get the working group sorted out and decide whether we, I don't know whether we need to have a meeting every time, whether we can start the work off. But basically what we need to do is come up with a specification for the path and restricting access, whether we should attempt to do that by email might be quicker to, uh, you know, get um, Chair, yeah. I do know that um, Councillor Pennington mm. and Councillor Neild wanted to um, be on the working group. Yeah, okay. Um, would, uh, do we, Joe, did you get a list of all the people that wanted to be involved with that working group? I don't think I've got a definitive list, no. Caroline, did you wish to be involved on that? Yes, please. Well, okay. What, what I'll do, um, I'll send out an email to all councillors and um, let them know that we're ready to start the ball rolling on this. And I think our, our first, I think maybe if we can work with by email um, and with Frank until we've got an outline of, you know, putting a specification together or options for specifications we can do that fairly quickly then it makes it easier to go out to tender would you be happy with that caroline yeah I, the, the one thing i have thought of is that um should the development at forest hills i mean they should be doing yeah. something because their three years is nearly up is that we ask them to do it whoever the contractor is there um, it might be a nice thing for them to, um, because it's them who, who, are, who are preventing us from having the other footpath. So I think we should um, see that if, if there is a suitable, you know, something that we can explore um, with the developer of that land. I, uh, I rather think, uh, when I read up on the, um, all the planning applications and the Metro Appeal, didn't it? they have quite a lot of leeway on when the, the time runs out. It's not a fixed three years. It's, uh, I think it's, you know, a fixed time from, from when they do actual things. I, I couldn't find anywhere in the uh, planning documents that said that if they did nothing after three years, that's it. It's, uh, there's lots of, there lots of conditions put on it and those conditions drive the, uh, the end date when the planning application would fall. So I don't think we should rely on it being three years. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it, it's a point we, we can uh, look at uh, forest cells. But I think the first thing we need to do is to have a specification and there's uh, the, you know, allowing disabled access but preventing others to get on there with motorbikes and what have you that we've got to address. But I don't think, I think we need to, we need to decide who we're going to get because it isn't something we can decide how to design a, a you know, a, a footpath for that type of um, access. It needs to be somebody who's got experience in, you know, building those kind of things. Well, the path itself, I just thought would have been fairly straightforward. We just need to decide how wide we want it and what type of material we want and how long it is. 
the the more complex thing is the uh, restricting the access. Phil, uh, can I just ask Joe to keep an eye out for uh, Ryan? His internet connection dropped, and he's trying to get back in, or he's on his way back in. Okay, that's all. Mally, um, I think I think. Uh, I think we do what we normally do, don't we, and go out for three tenders. I think Caroline's possibly right that we've got to watch what quality we have. We're talking about disabled people um, on scooters and goodness knows what. So it's got to be up to a good spec by a person that's used to doing them. So I think we do the normal procedure and put it out for tender. But we can't go out to tender until we've decided what we want. Uh, it might be as simple as we want it however many metres wide and you can say, you know, ask for different services. Mm. Did, did you call me there, Judith? You've got your hand up. No, I didn't hear whether you called me or not. So, two things. First is that under the Town and Country Planning Act, the normal period for implementation of a planning permission is three years, even if it isn't stated in the planning permission, if it's a detailed permission. And that ha there has to be what's no more than colourable uh, implementation. There has to be a material operation carried out. If there hasn't been a material operation carried out within the usual three-year period after detailed consent permission will lapse. Now, I suggest that once, once we sort out our own specification, we wait and see. Uh, I'm happy to go out to tender, but equally I'm happy for the suggestion to approach the contractor that may be there, because I suspect with the mobilisation costs for the contractor will already have been absorbed in any development and we should get a cheaper price. We will be daft if we fail to take advantage of that if we are in that situation. But if we're not, then the usual rules should apply. So I advise caution, we wait and see. Well, we've, we have already decided that we want this path. I don't think there's anything to stop us from deciding on a specification and options the, you know, the width of the path of the services. That's what I said. We should agree the specification and then wait and see. Anybody else? Brian, you're back with us. Yeah, I'm back, but um, I've got no video. <laughs> okay. Um, are you, are you uh, wanting to be part of this working group? Uh, I've totally missed when I'm... When I'm Still on burial ground update, so I don't really know where we're. We're talking about the disabled path um, from yeah. the, to the war memorial, from the uh, memorial gates up to the war memorial. Um, we're looking at particularly sort of a disabled path, um, which we're going to have to have because the, the plans that um, Merseyview have, have got are building houses on that. that part of the car park where disabled people would normally park. So that, you know, there's, there's no option for us to continue using the current disabled path. Um, so that we, we've already agreed that we are going to have a disabled path. Okay. Which but also, sorry? Uh, but, also, but also, Ryan, we've said that the contractor, the, whoever the developer is, because we're having to get rid of a footpath, it, it, we might look to the approaching the developer and uh, get them to sponsor the footpath. Okay, that all sounds fine. Yeah, bearing in mind that any development that they do up there, there'll be, um, is it section 106 money or sill money? 
to come and maybe that's what it could be diverted to. I'm, I'm logged in twice at the moment, so I'm just going to log out of one. And I've got I've got video back. Chair? Yeah? Are we sure that they're going to take up the option to build? No, we're not, but we can ask them. Yeah, well, I wouldn't want to wait years and years to get a disabled path waiting to get a freebie. Mm. Well, if we crack on with sorting out the specifications, um, no harm in us getting costings on it. Um, let, let's get the specification first. Thank you. So are you all happy for me to just email you to, to get the ball rolling on this? Yeah. Okay. Right, um, agenda item 131. And it's a shame we've not got Frank with us tonight because this is his baby. Over to you, Joe, to talk about the town clock. Okay, round about the 4th of July, it was noticed that the face of the town clock by the Bearspore traffic light had stopped. It's also badly stained, which um, Lord Pennington has reported before. It was reported to Smiths of Derby, the clockmakers who supplied the town clock via a sister company, and they've maintained it ever since. Originally, they gave me a quote of £150 for a call out, which I accepted, but they then got back to me to explain that it's a two-person job because of the need for them to work off ladders and has to be done out of hours when traffic is light for obvious safety reasons. I asked for a revised quote. Safety regulations have altered how the town clock at Frodsham can be attended. The clock requires attendance by two clockmakers out of hours. Um, they're still able to access the clock with an approved ladder, which uh, negates the need for costly access agreement to close a, make a road closure. In addition, um, it's noted that the staining of the glass on the face can be cleaned when they do out the um, do to make their attendance more cost effective. Their suggestion is that they do an annual service at the same time as they clean this. Um, they'll leave the clock in good working order. Um, and the cost to facilitate this is £885 plus that. Uh, plus the costs of any parts that they may need to replace. Council Pennington has previously stated that there is some issues with the gilding on the um, hands of the clock. So I'd kind of like to include this at the same time. So initially what I'm asking you for is um, authority to pay £885 to sort this initial incident. It doesn't clean clear everything. Um, Previously, the clock has been under a three-year service agreement, which expired in 2019. So I've got a quote for a new three-year contract, um, and I would recommend that we take out a three-year contract. This provides for an annual service agreement to make one visit each year to inspect, clean, adjust, lubricate, and uh, sort out all normal accessible parts of the clock system. The clock will be accessed out of hours under this contract by two clock makers with the use of a suitable ladder. 
So the cost of a three-year offer is £1,530 payable in advance. I'll leave it with you. So you're looking for 2300 something all in all. Is that right? No, to do the initial repairs which need to sort it out is 800 and odd pounds. The additional cost is to put it back onto a three-year service contract. At which rate? 1500 was that? 1530 plus that. Okay. Can I just make the point? I always remember this topic actually uh, coming up a few years ago and I was very greatly shocked when Mike Pusey told me that it's only plastic yeah. um, which I find absolutely staggering because I, I do have to say I, you know it does look quite smart but I don't know whether I want to spend £2,000 on a plastic clock. I think um, it's only the case in that's plastic I mean all the innards the working bits will be a normal clock mechanism well, I think we need to check that out because, you know, it's a lot of money to be throwing at something. It, would it be cheaper to actually buy a new clock? Have we looked at that option? Don't think so. No, well, I think we'd probably no. maintain it, wouldn't we? But how do we know it's not cheaper? Because we haven't asked the question. It's just that, you know, I was staggered that it was plastic. You've only got to look, Caroline, at the price of a normal clock. When you look at the makers of that clock, they're a famous company from Derby. Um, the mechanism of, of, of the clock will be quite expensive. And if we don't maintain it, we'll lose it. So we can either go down the route of what you're saying and, and getting a price for a brand new clock, which I think will far exceed the 2,500 we're talking about, or we can go with the contract. Um, I'm of the opinion that we should stick with what we've got and fix what we've got. Uh, Ryan, then Bill. Um, if we're paying £885 plus VAT for some work to be done, um, I'm assuming that work will be covered for six months, 12 months. So we want to start the three-year contract really at the end of this we want to pay the £885 now, but we don't want to tie ourselves into a three-year contract as well because we'd effectively be losing a year of that contract. Yeah, good point. So we pay the 885 now, and in 12 months' time, we should then be starting a three-year contract. Mm. Agreed, Ryan. Right on. Bill. Yes, I live in the clock tower in Kingsley Green and I installed uh, a clock bigger actually than the one we've got and it's, it's been trouble free for the whole period of six years and cost £800 and I think we should consider very carefully whether we should buy something which is modern and when I say modern, modern, it doesn't have to look modern, but something that is reliable and something that does its job very efficiently. Yeah. 
Hello there. Can I just jump in again? Um, um, okay, I need to minute what's happening on the, this item. So I will minute that we um, subject to Phil. Got his hand up, Phil. Can I suggest that we actually get this one fixed, and then possibly look into the options then of a three-year contract or and or by a new block. I think you. I, I agree with that. Thank you. Yeah. Can I have a proposal to a, to approve the? Could, could 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 I just ask Bill who who did you go to Bill to buy your clock from? It it's uh, as time goes by. It's a uh, a clock which is powered electrically powered and is satellite controlled. So it actually t t uh, changes time throughout the year, especially obviously at the, um, at the change of clock times in the autumn and in the spring. Uh, so can it's just, very, very efficient. And maybe that company could again. give you a quote. Can I just take, take a step back again? We're looking at a town clock here. So interrupted when I was trying to work out who proposed and seconded the initial repair. I proposed it and I'm now proposing that we do the initial repair and also we then look at either um, a three-year rolling contract as Ryan suggested to run after this one, after the repair and in the meantime we get the usual three quotes for a new clock and, the, and then weigh it all up. That just I, to me seems to make sense. Again, can I just break this down? Because yeah. I've got various different resolutions there. The, the, the one I need to be confirmed tonight is that we do the initial repair. Right, I'll propose that. I'll second that. Ryan, thank you. Moving on. Right. Uh, where are we up to? Um, 132, virtual meeting procedure. We have, Joe has provided a, has this gone out to everybody yet, Joe? No, it hasn't. Okay. Basically, it's, there's, there's nothing new in this. It's just make, just a reminder, really, for all of us and possibly for the public um, how we proceed with virtual meetings because it is a little bit different. Um, see, normally, if, if a councillor has um, declared an interest in something, they're expected to leave the meeting. Um, so what, what Joe is clarifying in this is that rather than because it's a virtual meeting, you're asked, she was, as the host of the meeting, would put that counsellor in the waiting room while the, the item was discussed. Um, and it's, you know, just reiterating our present procedures. Members of the public get the opportunity to speak in public speaking time, and they can't then join in, in meeting. I know it's very frustrating the other day when people wanted um, Lynn Riley to come into the, the meeting. But it, it's council business, not a public meeting. She's a member of the public, and I couldn't let Lynn in without then having to let other members of the public, and there were quite a few of them there. So it's just reiterating those, 
those things. It's council business that we're dealing with. It's not for members of the public to join in a discussion. Um, and it was very frustrating the other night because we had the chat options open and lots of people were trying to, to join in. So Joe is going to um, switch off the chat facility. Um, Ryan, you wanted to speak? It's fine, Judith. I was just going to ask for the chat facility to be turned off if, if that was the case in front of the public. That was all. Thank yeah. you. I think, I mean, you have to bear in mind, this is a learning curve for all of us. Um, and Joe is learning about all the new features every time and she's taking advice on how best to run the, the virtual meetings. Andrew. Thank you. Uh, two things. One is I'm looking diligently on the Town Council's website and I can't find the standing orders rapidly. They may be there, but I can't find them. The last time, the last time I was aware of them, the, the standing orders do allow for the borough councillors to speak directly. That was certainly in the standing orders before. You may have removed them since last time I'm aware that they, that was in, that, that uh, people like Lynn would have the right to speak because, because she's a borough councillor. She's not the same as a member of the public. The other thing is, I'm not happy to approve these matters tonight without actually seeing in writing what is proposed so I know exactly what is suggested before I vote for or against it. Particularly as something as, as important to us as our standing orders, we need to see precisely what is proposed and I suggest it has to be done in writing. Okay. Well, I'll tell you now, you can find the standing orders at below the calendar on the on the get the calendar up. I think it might be on the front page. Uh, underneath the calendar, all of our policy documents are listed there. Standing orders is right down at the very bottom with the finance regulations and I think possibly code of conduct. Thank you. I just found them. Yeah. Um, this virtual meeting procedure isn't something for us to vote on. It's just Joe setting out clearly the way uh, that we will manage virtual meetings, uh, purely because it's, they're a little bit different to how we manage face-to-face uh, -face meetings. But, I mean, it'll be there. Um, Joe can circulate it, and if you've got any comments on it. Um, as far as um, Borough Council speaking, no, that's gone out of the standing orders because we're using the NALC uh, model standing orders now. It's a decision taken some time ago that the council, as a council, we would use all of the NALC templates or models and we've done the same with finance regulations. Uh, but the, the NALC don't make sense because at Standing Order 23 oh. the invitation should always be sent to the borough councillor um, and having sent the invitation to them to attend the meeting it's somewhat daft then not to allow them to speak. It doesn't make sense oh. and therefore I recommend that we consider this again and add 23C, specifically preserving the right to speak. There's no point in inviting somebody to a meeting unless you give them the opportunity to speak. No, at for normal full council meetings, the borough councillors have their own agenda item to give us an update on borough matters. This was an EGM and it wasn't for Lynn to join it. it no, that's not what the standing order says. It says an invitation to attend a meeting. There's no distinction there between an ordinary meeting and an EGM. Well, as you say, I mean, that's something that we're going to have to vote on um, at the next full council meeting then. Sure, I ask that for that then to appear as an item on the full council agenda with a recommendation. We add a, a condition C to uh, 23, which allows specifically for borough councillors to speak. 
Yeah. Can I can I just clarify that then, Andrew? Um, so you can speak on any item that's on the agenda at any time. Is that what that's, you're telling me? That's the rule that FTC used to have, which was that uh, particularly the whole point of inviting a borough councillor to a meeting, one would have thought it would be to listen or invite them to participate in debates. There's no, no since, I've been, since I've been on 2015, you've always had your own agenda item and you haven't spoken at any stage unless you were invited by the chair to do so. Ryan. And, and, or, and or other members, but the point is, the council previously did have a rule which provided for borough councillors to speak. We haven't and, now. And, 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 no, Can we, we let Ryan speak, please? He's been waiting patiently. Ryan. Well, I, I, I haven't finished my point. I, I do kind of agree with Andrew here slightly. Um, the other night before the meeting, the, uh, Joe did say that we had X amount of members of the public and Lynn Riley joining the meeting. That led me to believe that Lynn was going to speak or entitled to speak. Um, I, I do think with Lynn being a key stakeholder in that original meeting with the Housing Trust that she, she was going to be eligible to speak the other night. So maybe it was just a little bit misleading in what we were told then perhaps. Well, quite possibly, but we were just going round in circles. We weren't getting anywhere and we weren't going to agree anything. I have spoken to Lynn since the meeting and she wasn't going to um, add anything that we hadn't already said. But it was very difficult with having so many members of the public there who would then want to speak. I mean, they were champing at the bit just in the chat section. So, right, well, Joe will circulate the virtual meeting procedure and you can let her know if there's any part of it that you don't agree. Um, that doesn't conflict with standing orders. The, the review of standing orders can go on the agenda for the next full council meeting. Yep. Is that okay, Joe? Are you happy with that? Yeah, thank you. Um, publication scheme then, 133. Do we, does it need to review, Joe? No. I don't believe so. No. I've read it, it looks all right. Yeah, okay, so we can, if you could update the copy on the website to say then that it was confirmed as uh, re-approved by PMP. Yes, absolutely. This meeting. Right, 134, review of FTC procedures. I think this, this was, it's time, we would normally at the beginning of a council year review all of our policy documents, etc. Um, we, have, we haven't done it this year, obviously, so it, we need to agree a, a, a timetable for reviewing all the, the documents. So, Andrew? One of the procedures FTC used to have was the inspection of all its deeds and documents and inspecting all the land holdings that it had. Um, I suspect that is something that has fallen out of use and given the passage of time it's likely to have happened I believe it's essential that we do go and look specifically at all the land holdings that FTC actually has and walk around the boundaries and it was through not checking boundaries 
that a former town council way back in the 1990s, if not before, ended up losing a significant portion of the memorial fields at Overton uh, next to Forest Hills. Um, and it's an object lesson in why the town council needs to look after and be proper steward of all the land assets. So whilst looking at procedures, one procedure I suggest we do re-adopt is actually downloading all the documents and records, the land holding documents and records, and actually sending out a number of us to go and inspect the boundaries and make sure they still exist as appear to be the case on the uh, documents. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of work has been done on um, some of the land assets through the fields in trust work that Mark Neild is doing. Um, obviously we've got all of our pieces of land on the asset register and they are looked after, the land is looked after through the amenities committee. So there are regular reviews, but I take your point about comparing them to the, the land registry document. Um, funnily enough, the, the files that Joe and I pulled out of the lockup today, one of them was pretty much a list of all the land assets. I seem to recall, was it Joe? Was that one of the ones you were going to copy for us? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll um, copy and uh, scan that tomorrow. Judith? Yeah? I don't think it would do us any harm to do what uh, Councillor Dawson is suggesting, um, seeing it hasn't been done legally for a long time. And then we're going to come up in a minute with charitable trusts and deeds and one thing or another. I think it'll just go hand in hand. Yeah. Okay. So um, then, Joe, the thing that we've got to do is to start work on reviewing all of our procedures and policy documents. Um, some of them we, we've looked at fairly recently. If you could have a look at all of them, uh, any new ones that are being suggested, uh, and the ones that it's a long time since we've re reviewed them. I think quite a lot of them have been reviewed in the last uh, couple of years. Um, so can you start work on that, come up with a list and then we can tick them off as we do them through PMP committee? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, we'll start work on that in the next couple of weeks. Um, just bear in mind, I've got some booked. Yes. But yes. Certainly, within the next two weeks. Yeah, okay then. Perhaps what we can do then, wherever these pieces of land are, if we get the ward councillors for the relevant ward to go and look at them. Does that sound a reasonable suggestion? Yeah. It does, yes. Everybody. Well, bear, bear, bearing in mind what we heard about the waterside councillors um, at our last meeting, I don't suggest it's a sensible way of allocating them. Yeah. And it may, it may be better to actually mix and match the people who are able to get out and have a look and rather than just limit yourself. I think, I think with the best one in the world, loads of different commitments and everything else that others have got, it might be choose the willing, those who can get out, those who can go and have a look, uh, rather than trying to do it per ward. Yeah, okay, I think we, we need to decide what it is we're going to check on each side, whether we're just looking at a land registry document and looking at the piece of land or whether you want a more detailed inspection. Yeah. Well, why, why don't we produce a, a, an action point, you know, so go around with your iPhone, take a load of photographs of all the boundaries, confirm that they appear to be in accordance with the plan, 
note any damage or littering or any other issues associated with the site and produce a short report in each site you go and look at. Uh, Mali? I think, um, I know Joe is going away on holiday, but she could probably delegate to Liz the land registry so that it's done for when she gets back. I think, I think we have already got quite a lot of the land registry documents. Okay. D don't forget some land may not be registered with us, such as the charity ones, the land is registered with the custodian oh, yeah. of the charities, and some may not be registered. Yes, uh, a lot of work. Um, I mean, most of you won't know, but Joe and I, when we went to the lockup today to look for information on the charitable trusts, um, we, we say there's quite a lot of uh, information there that was relates to a, the case about Cromere, the legal action on Cromere. Um, gosh, not sure how many years ago now, but our um, solicitors that we used at the time did a lot of research and were re register lands that hadn't been registered. So I think virtually everything of ours is now registered with the land registry. So. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that Liz has already got most of those um, land registry deeds for us. I, I think it's worth checking because some of the schedules I've seen from Walker, Smith & Way, who were our solicitors years and years ago, not absolutely everyone was registered. Uh, and there may be the odd one that has escaped and it's worth checking. Well, on, this, on this point, I have just agreed to spend £64 of my own money to obtain the 4th of July 1797 enclosure award which will help us understand the charity commission schemes for the recreation grounds trust and in looking at some of the papers I've seen it looks like mile pits may no longer be part of the recreation grounds trust but who that's knows so not mile pits Mandy Rocops are going to be part that's uh, that's all there in the in the legal documents that we found today Marl Pitts and Manly Road Cops are not part of the trust. I'd be interested to see that, I think Marl Pitts is, but anyway, I'd be interested to see it. Yeah, okay. Um, one, three, five, review of charges. Oh, we've got the allotment charges and the cemetery charges. Okay, if I can just interject here, we, um, we charge £35 for an allotment, um, £5 from certain allotments goes to the uh, Fortune Allotment Association. Yeah, the, the national, is it the national lottery, society? No. Yes. Okay. Everything's in hand. No, no it, 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 it's, there are two aspects of the allotments. Yeah. Because FTC are a member in their own right. Right. And then on behalf of each allotment holder, the £5 is collected by FTC for the um, um, for being members of the Fodsham Town, I think it is, Allotment Association. But they have run, nearly run out of money because they haven't been paid. Yeah. Judith, can I just say that I have been in touch with the FTAA and uh, the payment is in 
progress. Uh, allotment bills weren't sent out in May 2020 because we went into COVID and lockdown and the council weren't able to process any cheque or cash payments. Yeah. Um, yeah, so please leave it with me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, do, I do recall you saying that we weren't sending the invoices out because you couldn't collect them on the Not that strange, no noise. Somebody's got an owl. It's not me. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I need one of your owls. What about reviewing the allotment charges? Because it's a good number of years since we put them up. I wonder if Councillor Ashton can remember. Didn't we say on our last walkabout that the sizes of the allotments, all of them would seem to have been pickledy pickledy and that we were going to assess what we got and charge accordingly, Caroline. I don't remember that, Molly. I think, we, I think we've got to be a little bit sensitive to this because of what's going on at the moment with COVID and the people, I mean, going to your allotment is allowed. Um, yeah, but the, the point is, I mean, we have to give them quite a lot of notice of a charges increase. We can't just do it tomorrow. We have to give them, do you have to give them a year's notice? So any increase that we agree now wouldn't happen. Yeah, 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 but it's very reasonable. And I seem to remember when you appointed me as locum, going back all those years, that I did some evaluation as to allotment charges and we were aligned with other allotment charges. In Runcorn, they're considerably higher. At Phil, then Ryan. Can I ask when we last changed the allotment rates? And are they due to be, is it about time we did increase them and bring them into line with other councils? They have. They were reviewed in May 2019. Okay. But we, we didn't change them. Um, no. They haven't changed in my time on the council. Um, Ryan. Pretty much the same as Phil, but if, it, if I don't know how long you've been on the council, Judith, but if they've not been increased in that long, then coming up five years. I mean, £35 is a very low amount anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, if, uh, if all of these people had their allotments because they were didn't have a garden and they needed to grow vegetables then and fruit, then I could be more sympathetic. But all of our allotment holders have got nice big gardens where they live. This is an extra thing. Um, mm. you know, I'm sure that they could absorb a modest increase, even if it's only a fiver a year, just the principle that we are increasing it. I, I think you need to be careful as well, because don't forget some of these allotments haven't even got water supplies. Well, the ones that do have water supply in Ashton Drive, they pay extra for their water. Oh, well, um, they pay for what they consume. Yeah, they, they're paying for it. The uh, the London Road ones, we um, paid, what, around about £1,000 to purchase the IBCs so they could do the rainwater collection. So mm. we, we've been generous there. And now the other allotments in Kingsway, is it, are looking at getting a water supply brought in. 
but they're having to raise the money for that. Yeah, right, Ryan. Five pound increase is ten pence a week. Let's be realistic about this. It's, it's, I agree. It's, it's nothing at all. Anybody else got a view on this? I'm with, I'm with Ryan. I think it should go. Yeah, Donna, can you unmute yourself? I agree. They should. I, I've the last few years. It's it's been raised. It's it's come up on on the agenda. I'm, I'm for raising it because I, I am aware that quite the majority of of um, allotment holders do have gardens of their own, and this is is this is just an extra. So I think just a fiver a year is uh, as you say ten p a week. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Can I, can I just pull you back here because I need to minute this. Um, so currently the allotment charge is £35 a year. You up that to £40? Yeah. Yeah. Proposer and seconder, please. Can, can, can we just clarify, it isn't £35. It's £30 and £5 is a membership fee for the association. So it's actually £30 a year for the allotment. Yeah. So That's splitting hairs really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there no, because they're two completely different things, Phil. Phil the, yeah, but the total, the, cost is, the total cost is still only going up by £5. That's what yeah. we're looking at. So, but Joe can clarify that in the minutes, that it's um, increasing from... £30 plus five to £35 plus five. Yeah. Thank you. So, proposer. Proposer for that. Ryan. Ryan. Seconder. Phil. Phil. Thank you. All those in favour of increasing the allotment charge. So, that's five of us. Thank you. Those against? Two. Three. Okay. So, uh, we have Councillor Ashton, Councillor Dawson, who is the third? Bill. 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 Yeah. And um, I just know, need to note that Councillor Dawson, you're not a member of this committee. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, could we ask that we make it quite clear that we, um, when we write to the allotment holders, when when we did actually last put it up and outline it to them that yeah, good the idea, Ryan. It went off. Yeah. So, okay. Please, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Are there any other charges that we need to look at? I think we reviewed the land rental one a while ago, didn't we? Fairly recently. I thought you said cemetery cemetery charges were going to be looked oh, at. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> cemetery then. I remember when I was locum back in January 2019. Yeah. Um, I I did a survey on cemetery fees and got all the cemetery fees up for all the different organisations around you. Um, I can read through what our list is here, but I'm not sure how useful that will be um 
Are we in line with other councils? That's what we, what we really need to know. Yes. Right then. Well, I would suggest because of the current situation we're in, that we don't increase them this year. But I think we continue to have an annual review of all of our charges. Yep. But I would propose keeping them the same for this year. Agree. Okay. So we're all. Can I just have a proposer and seconder for that? I'll propose it and Mally seconded it. Thank you. And all those in favour of keeping the charges the same. Thank you. <laughs> Put that hand down, Andrew. You're not allowed to vote. <laughs> I can give an indication to the members of the public who may be interested. God loves a tryer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, trying. So, and then, as I say, we've already reviewed fairly recently the land charges for the community centre field, unless anybody wants to put any proposals forward for that one. No. Okay. Right. So we're back to Chair's report. Um, I've already said really what I was going to say, which is about members of the public speaking during the meeting. Um, don't think I've got anything else to add. We've just now got to sort out the staff handbook and discrepancy between the staff handbook and the um, standing orders in relation to staffing matters and to decide whether what we want to do about the staffing subcommittee. Um, there, there are two issues. One is about just the general um, management of staff, but the other aspect of the staffing um, subcommittee um, relates to disciplinary matters. And I think I don't know whether we can make a decision tonight, whether we all need to go away and read very carefully the staff handbook and the standing orders in relation to staffing. Otherwise, we're going to end up with a very big staffing subcommittee. If there are any grievances and any councillor involved in that grievance can't be part of it, we have to have um, bring an independent person in to investigate. Um, but we, we also need to look at staff appraisals and I, I'm not comfortable with several councillors being involved in any um, staff appraisal. Mally? Sorry about that. Um, we've, staff appraisals is exactly that. Normally in, in my past life it's been a one-on-one -on -one situation. We certainly don't need a group situation um, I would have thought two members of the council was quite sufficient. Um, and we'd managed with that before. I think otherwise you're looking as though you're doing a, a kangaroo court. You've got loads of people sat in front of this person who's having their appraisal. And I think that would be totally wrong. Well, well from my experience of working in several large corporates, my reviews have always been a one-on-one -on -one I, I just don't see the need for more than that. And if there are issues, then possibly somebody from the personnel will be brought in. In terms of our uh, normal procedures, as far as I'm concerned, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And why do we need a staffing committee when we've only got 2.5 full-time employees? Just overkill. Yeah. Um, Andrew? Don't forget, 
our situation is not akin to the private sector. Our situation is akin, well, it is the public sector and therefore different rules necessarily apply. Mm. This particular uh, staff appraisal relates to a key position which has an interaction with all of our members. Um, and all of us will have a view. And I, I think it's important that a plurality of views are present, understood and discussed at the meeting. And whilst I agree you don't want the cast of thousands, there's a difference between having, say, one, two or three and having 16. Nobody's suggesting 16. I think that would be far too unwieldy. But in times past, we have had three. And I think it is appropriate for three because if you're not careful, you can end up with a situation where people with the same views are conducting the appraisal. Well, actually, what you're after is a difference of view so the appraisal is more meaningful for everybody and I, I, I encourage a plurality of opinions not just a narrow view. Ryan? Um, I think it would be for the chair to invite comments from all members of the council on whoever's performance we are reviewing and uh, then be collated by the chair as part of some 360 degree feedback um, I don't think it needs more than one or two people in the room but I think the chair would be right to invite feedback from all the other members and collate that feedback before conducting the appraisal Got nothing wrong with that Donna? That, that, that is exactly the way it used to work in both ICI and IBM it was 360 degree feedback done by your manager and fed back but can I also suggest that we ask Chalk what the procedure is in other councils with respect to the um, the clerk's review. Okay, Donna, uh, unmute yourself, please. I hate this laptop. Um, basically, my my all my reviews are one to one in work, and obviously it's on my performance through the year, um, and it's it's like it is feedback. I work with a, a range of team leaders, the six mm. teams, I work with all of those teams. So through the year, there will be feedback, good or bad, uh, from those team leaders that goes towards my appraisal. And I, I do think more than two people carrying out an appraisal is a little mob-handed, where we could get confidential um, feedback to the chair, and um, that can be taken into account doing the appraisal basically yeah. and I'd also like to point out I know this is I have personal knowledge of Judy's career but this isn't something new to Judy she's been doing it she did it for a very very long time in a high-ranking position in the civil service so it's not um she's not an amateur that's it thanks okay thanks Joe, can I give a proposal then chair can I just ask Joe something first yeah. So your annual increment, that's set out in your contract of employment, isn't it? It is. And is it dependent on your appraisal or is it just a guaranteed pay increase? It's not dependent on my appraisal. So that's automatic, your pay rise? It's an incremental rise, uh, obviously capped. Yeah, okay. So that if we separate the two issues out, the pay rise um, is okay, that can go ahead. 
because it's not can I, just, can I just say it's not a pay rise it's a incremental yes sorry yeah you're moving up yeah, the yeah. okay um and then on top of that for, for the staff we've got the the annual um cost of living rise it's just been agreed that, yeah. Uh, that was agreed on Friday, it's not been published yet, but yes, 2.75%. And that will go to all, all staff? Yeah. Yeah, backdated from the 1st of April. Right, okay. Well, if we've, now we've got the pay rises out of the way because they're, and we, we deliberately link them to um, the pay scales, published pay signs, so that it took away the decision from council about awarding pay rises. Um, now, as far as the, your appraisal goes, are you content that at this stage we take advice on it from CHALC? Um, you might want to take advice on, on it from SLCC. And we all look closely at the staff handbook and the standing order in relation to staff management and appraisal and also the, the grievance procedures. Um, I would be absolutely happy, Judith, if this council referred my appraisal to Chalk. Okay, thanks, Joe. Involve them in that appraisal, not a problem. Okay, well, I think that's where we're at because we're not going to agree tonight without having studied the relevant documents and got the advice. So, is everybody happy to leave the appraisal for now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we done then? I think yep. that's it, isn't it? I believe so. Sorry, what was that, Joe? I believe so. I believe that yeah. unless anybody's got anything to add. No. Next meeting. Day to next meeting. It's on the, it's on the oh, schedule, it is. isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's on the schedule, let me find it. Sorry. October. 16th of, 16th of October, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody happy with that then? Can we close the meeting? Yes, yes. please. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Thank bye. You. Bye. Ryan.